Welcome to the Inspire Link podcast, bringing you lessons from high achieving business leaders and entrepreneurs. This is your connection to inspiring leadership. I'm your host, Jennifer Trammell. Today, the future of flight. Kevin Nortker is on a mission to change the way we travel with low emission electric aircraft. Kevin is the co-founder and CEO of Amp Air. Amp Air developed and flew the world's largest hybrid electric aircraft in 2019. It's now in flight trials with a regional airline in Hawaii. The aircraft, electric EEL, reduces emissions and operating costs by 50%, making flight more affordable for areas that aren't typically served by commercial airlines. A mechanical engineer by training, Kevin previously worked as a research fellow at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. We caught up with Kevin while he was in Southwest Florida for the Edison Awards, a gala recognizing the best innovators and inventions around the world. An entrepreneur at heart, Kevin Nortker shares the three key factors he uses to decide which opportunities to pursue in life and career, a framework that may help you. We also talk about what he looks for when he's hiring and how to create a little bit of magic in your work. And we discuss Ampere's vision for bringing air service to small communities, where these planes are flying now and when they could be coming to you. Kevin, welcome to the Inspire Link podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate being here. My pleasure. Yeah. Give us a little background. How did you come to this entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, so I think, I mean, as with all things, it's it's been a journey throughout life, right? It's it's about what were you passionate about as a, as a kid? Like, I spent a lot of time looking up at the stars and wondering, like, what is this all about? How do we get to the stars? I grew up in, in a ski town in Utah, and so clean air, blue skies, I mean, these are things, just being in nature, that were a day-to-day -day passion of mine. And so I see the trend as I then went through an engineering degree out at Caltech and research at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory and robotics as the technology component of my passion for, for nature and outdoors kind of combined. And then, uh, and then uh, some really fun and, and engaging work at, at a large aerospace company taught me that I was also pretty good at building teams and executing on, on large programs. And of course, all these things coming together to realize that if, if you know what's meaningful for the world around us and you have some competency in the technology and ability to build and motivate teams, comes together maybe to do some big stuff. And, uh, and that's really what happened in late 2015, early 2016 when we founded Ampere uh, to work on electrified airplanes. Let's go to your work at NASA and Northrop, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Tell me a little bit about what you did during that time. Yeah, so my, my education was in robotics and mechanical engineering. So when I was at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory for, for NASA, um, the research was on Mars rovers and, uh, and, and lunar rovers. So how do, we, how do we explore difficult terrain? How do we maybe fly around and gather samples, rock samples, uh, ocean samples? Let's say we're going to one of like Titan or, or Enceladus, one of the moons of Saturn. Um, these really challenging engineering problems that have meaningful scientific uh, applications. So that's what I was working on at, at NASA. Uh, 
At uh, Northrop Grumman, I was working on both aircraft technologies as well as space technologies. And so I uh, think the, there's a great quote that I love from Arthur C. Clarke that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And, and that idea that, that working on advanced technology is like magic. It's so advanced, so unimaginably um, uh, unique in, in, the, in the application. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it's just implementation of very solid principles of science and engineering to, to achieve things that seem magical, but in fact are just practical outcomes. And, uh, and so I, I was there as a research and development engineer and, um, and, and ultimately was charged with leading, leading projects and programs and ultimately uh, pretty large teams to um, work on the airplane and, and satellite tech. Does your team feel like you get to create magic every day? Yeah, and this is this is really how we talked about it. I remember one of the senior engineers was the first one to ever tell me about uh, that 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 quote around magic um, because it really you know you you take to heart that what you're doing is 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 leading edge and um, sometimes it's difficult to describe the details and so describing in that broad picture um, helps inspire. I think absolutely. Yeah. You have your own philosophy when it comes to the type of work that you want to do, kind of that three-legged stool or a triangle. Mm -hmm. Will you walk us through that? Sure. So I've always used three key factors to decide how to spend my time, especially my professional time. So if I'm going to be learning or working, um, how do I measure against all the wonderful opportunities there are in the world? How do you choose what do you do, right? How do you spend your time? So I've had three factors. Number one, I'm looking for meaningful. Number two, challenging. And number three, visible. So meaningful, challenging, visible. Uh, these, these are the literal three factors that I've used to judge uh, for the last, I don't know, 15 or so years, each opportunity that I, that I consider. And it's generally difficult to find all three. Uh, if you do find, if I find all three, I latch onto those ideas quickly. And, uh, and when I think through like why, why these three, um, you know, meaningful, uh, if, if there's a meaningful, uh, a, a meaningful outcome, it's about the impact that you're creating. Um, I think you know, we each have only some period of time here on earth and, and it's important to spend the time in, in bettering the world around us. I, I feel deeply about that. And so if you know that what you're doing is meaningful, it's then motivating, it then connects you to other people, it, uh, it, it gives you a good reason to wake up in the morning, and, uh, and you can be proud of what you've done when you're going to bed in the evenings. Uh, challenging, so I, I think I'm relatively capable, and I, I think each of us has skill sets in the world that we, uh, that we uh, are able to contribute, but if you're not feeling challenged, then it means that you're not learning, it means that you're probably not contributing to the greatest extent that you could. Mm -hmm. So being challenged means that you're pulling yourself all the way to the edge of your capability, giving the most that you have and likely learning a lot along the way. So by being challenging, it's maximizing both the output but then also the opportunity for what could come next. And then that's where visibility comes in. So I feel like if you're working on something that's visible, you're able to uh, you're able to first see the world uh, broadly. Like these these events that um, at the, the Edison Awards here in Fort Myers, uh, bringing together innovators from all around the world. Now I'm so blessed to be able to be in a place like this with innovators like this, and that visibility into what are the challenges and opportunities 
is it, it leads to context, it leads to motivation, and it, it ultimately leads to more opportunities down the road. And so if you can do something that is visible, that people care about, um, that people can see, it also adds a, an accountability system, that you're very motivated to do well if everybody has their eyes on you. And I think that when you do well, or if you do poorly, it gives more opportunity for, for mentorship, for engagement, for communities that care, and, and ultimately leads to more opportunities in the future. So yeah, meaningful, challenging, visible, three things that really have helped guide me. That really seems like the framework by which you judge not just professional, but personal opportunities too. Absolutely, yeah. I think that it, it really can span, uh, it, it can span like, all aspects of life. Let's talk specifically about AMP Air. I'm guessing most of our audience has never heard of AMP Air. So walk us through first, what is this? Yeah. So AMP Air, our, our mission is to be the world's most trusted developer of practical, compelling electric aircraft. So trusted, practical, compelling, kind of three key words in our mission that drive all that we're doing. So electrified flight, what a big vision. How amazing would that be? Um, but when you think about aviation, it has to be fundamentally trust, trustworthy, right? It has to be safe. The reason that you and I and anyone else is willing to take our families and get into a plane is because we know that it's going to be safe. Now, vision sometimes comes with a lack of practicality. But at Ampere, what we're doing is trying to find the most pragmatic approach to bringing positive impact in this space. So we're upgrading existing planes with electrified propulsion systems. So taking the plane that you might fly uh, a few hundred miles and, and could carry nine to, to 19 passengers, so relatively small commercial planes, taking those planes and pulling out the combustion systems and putting in hybrid electric and fully electric systems that, that help bring positive benefits. And so that's the kind of the pragmatic approach rather than just having a pipe dream of a fully electric clean sheet vertical takeoff and landing supersonic electric jet which we have a design for. Um, we'll get our, there one yeah, day, right? Yeah, we'll get there one day. We, we think that a crawl, walk, run approach uh, is, is the, the practical way to go about it. And then finally, as a company, we'd like to think that we have compelling solutions. Um, and the compelling is about the impact that we create and the utility that these products have. And so for electrification of transportation in general, you have a decrease in the carbon emissions and other, uh, other pollution coming out of the, the vehicles. You have a decrease in the noise. So if you know anybody who lives near an airport, they're probably complaining about the noise. If you ever recognize that a plane's flying overhead, probably because you've heard it before you've seen it. And so if we can reduce the pollution and reduce the noise, then what was a burden on communities can really just be a, a pure benefit for those communities. But at the end of the day, people don't generally fly in private aviation or, or charter a plane or, or I, I, I did a 120 mile drive yesterday because there was no flight between Palm Beach and Fort Myers. Now why is there no flight there? And it's, it's because of economics. And the, the reality is that it's very expensive to fly planes. And that comes generally from the, the fuel burn of the planes and the, the maintenance costs of the planes. Now when you switch them over to electric, you can reduce the fuel burn and you can reduce the maintenance cost. And this completely changes the economics of flight, the, the economics of operating an airline. And it enables airlines to fly more frequently between the destinations they already serve and maybe even more importantly, enables them to open up routes to communities they've not been able to fly to before. 
there are 10 times as many airports in the United States as, the, uh, as actually have service uh, from, for commercial operations. So about 500 airports you could get a ticket in and out of, but there are 5,000 places that you could land commercially. Okay, so I think the question on everyone's mind is, when? When can we do this? We are flying today. In fact, we flew our very first hydroelectric plane, a six-seater, uh, two years ago. So we've been, uh, we are, this is happening now. And I think people are just starting to, to recognize that it's not just a pipe dream, that, that it is actually something that can be achieved in the relatively near term and that all these demonstrations are already happening today. So last fall, we delivered our first plane to an airline in Hawaii, and we're able to island hop there on the, on the island of Maui between two of the airports, flying a daily route, multiple round trips per day, and, and really engaging not just with the aircraft, but the full ecosystem of, of air travel. It's the, the, the airports, the charging infrastructure, the airline, the, the, the regulators. Um, and, and then the, you know, the maintenance crews, all, all of the factors that really come into to an airline operation. Now we're doing those operations and there's still to, to learn and grow and to develop products. In about three years, so at the end of 2023, early 2024, we anticipate bringing the first commercial products to market where you or I or any, anybody watching this um, would be able to buy a ticket, a commercial ticket and, and, and fly on a hydroelectric plane. Give us an idea of price point as we're thinking about you know the mechanics that need to be reduced, mm -hmm. the loss of fuel. Mm -hmm. We're cutting those costs. What's that going to mean for the end consumer? Yeah, so for an, for an airline, they spend up to about 40% of their operating budget on fuel and 10 to 15% on maintenance. Now let's, let's put ourselves uh, into the future where we're flying a fully electric plane and you're just charging off of the grid uh, or a battery backup rather than using any hydrocarbon fuel. Well, in those cases, uh, depending on demand charging and where you're getting the electricity, it's a complex problem, but you're saving between 70 and 90% of that cost relative to the, to the aviation fuels that they're using today. And so just on the fuel burn reduction, if you've got 40% of the cost for an airline and you reduce that by 70 to 90%, you're looking at taking you know, 25, 30 cents on the dollar off of an airline's operating budget which some of that will be, uh, will be passed on to the end consumer, and the majority of it will enable the airline to operate to all these new routes. So you think about the, the affordable tickets that you could buy today, the you know, $100, $200 round trip type, type flights. Now we can offer more of those types of ticket prices to more destinations than ever before. And we really think that that's what the end consumer is going to see, is an increase in convenience factor. And, and the same type of affordability that we see at the lower edge of the market today, but distributed to a far broader set of, of destinations. Are people comfortable getting on these planes? I think that new technology generally makes people a little uncomfortable. I think that uh, any change is, is, is uncomfortable. And with electric vehicles, people are familiar with the range anxiety of an electric car, right? And now uh, fully electric cars have, have pretty much surpassed the range anxiety, that if you needed a car that could drive 300 miles, you can go buy it today. In fact, you could probably get one that drives further than some cars drive on their fuel tank. The, the, with aviation, safety is just so critical that range anxiety isn't just about being stranded on the edge of the road, it's about what happens if you're flying and run out of battery. 
The reality is that in aviation, every single flight is thoroughly planned. You're never just going on a road trip with no, with, with no idea where you're going. You, in fact, are filing uh, paperwork ahead of every single flight, knowing exactly how far you're going to go, exactly the configuration of the plane, how much energy is on board, and there are reserve requirements. So if you say, I want to fly between these two cities and they're 100 miles apart, the regulation might actually require you to have an additional 50 to 100 miles of reserves thereafter, just in case something happened at the very end. You hit turbulence, you have to go around a mm -hmm. storm, exactly. just like we would on yeah. a, a plane today. Like, and, and enable you to get to the, the next airport or, or delay your landing by a bit. Now, all of these things go into the engineering and planning, but they're not necessarily recognized yet by the person who's just passively you know, thinking about an electrified plane. So there's a lot of education that goes into getting people familiar and comfortable with them. And that's one of the goals that we have over the next few years as we bring products to market. You have 25 people on your team now. Mm -hmm. You're going to triple in the next year, right? Correct. What does that mean for you as a leader and the challenges that you face? Well, I'm, I'm incredibly excited for growing the team because we're terribly overworked right now. And, uh, and I think this is the, the world of an entrepreneurship and, and building, uh, building a big vision is that you're always stretching to do more than, than what limited resources you have at any given moment. And no matter how many resources you add, you always have ambition beyond those. And so it's about, it's about scheduling out the, the, the requirements and the activities to, um, to, to really hit the priorities within within the uh, the constraints now growing the team is going to be exciting uh, we, we've already got an incredibly impressive core team that I'm, I'm tremendously proud of uh, it's one of my favorite parts of being an entrepreneur is is being able to engage with people who are just so amazingly talented and passionate and then to to align them on a common mission and and vision and then and then to some extent let them loose Right, I, I, hiring people much more capable than I have been as an engineer, um, but but enabling them to see a vision that maybe they didn't see, connecting them with people who they might not have otherwise had the opportunity to work with, and seeing this perfect storm of of capability and passion coming together. What do you look for when you're hiring? I'm looking. Uh, well, it depends on where uh, somebody is in their career and what position we're hiring them for. So there there are kind of two factors. Uh, I'm either hiring somebody, especially if they're early in their career, maybe coming out of school. It's not necessarily what's, what can they do today. It's more what will they be able to do once they're fully up to speed? Who is this person going to be five years from now? Are they going to be the type of person who is deeply passionate, dedicated, committed, and, and maybe most importantly is able to learn and grow in a dynamic environment? That there are, there are some people who are just capable of, of picking up challenging ideas mm -hmm. and running with them with the humility to acknowledge when they don't know what to do, but the aptitude and attitude to go figure it out when they need. I think that's just incredibly important really throughout a career. There are some cases where, I mean, we're electrified planes. This is a very hard problem. And, uh, and so and one that nobody has really done in full scope before. So sometimes we're looking for people with very specific demonstrated skill sets um, or, or expertise in aircraft certification or electric vehicle battery packs or the kinds of uh, avionics and electronics and software. And so every once in a while there's a, just a very specific skill set that we're looking for and need that capability immediately. But it's generally a balance between the two. It's uh, current capability 
and then um, kind of attitude and aptitude for the dynamic environment, which and is entrepreneurship. Making a judgment on that future potential then. Yeah, absolutely. You told me something earlier about being an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. and really you're losing every day. What is, what is that all about, and how does that shape your mindset? Yeah, when, when you think about uh, entrepreneurship, you're building something that has never existed in the world before. Right, and, and you're working on, a, oftentimes, a shoestring budget. Uh, you're working with a team that's half the size that you, you need it to be to really get everything done. You're working against an incumbent industry who, at, at best, is ignorant to what you're working on, and at worst, might be pushing against the innovation. And, and in these cases, as, as kind of the underdog in an industry, sometimes it feels like the, like the world is just friction and, and you're, you're pushing against it. I think that the, the, the mindset of being able to be resilient in challenging environments, to, to set goals that even if you have a 0.0001% market share, um, to, to be able to measure what does success look like if we are not, you know, we're, we're not selling planes as fast as Boeing. Uh, we are not, in fact, even, even profitable as a company yet. So how can you be a, a non-profitable company that's not making a ton of sales? How can you measure that and say that you're winning on a day-to-day -day basis when, from the traditional measures of business, you're not yet there? Um, and so this is where I think you have to be—you have to be thoughtful and creative, and not just about the day-to-day -day operations. Though, the financial health of an organization is absolutely paramount. Uh, you need to be able to tie that into the broader vision of where does the company need to go, and how do you motivate people in those challenging situations, especially when a product might be a few years out. Yeah. So, what does a win look like on a day-to-day -day basis now? Yeah, so there are some key metrics. Uh, like for example, uh, every plane uh, in it, when it's in its development cycle is overweight, and when you're trying to fly, the weight of a plane is one of the one of the most challenging uh, aspects. And if you can decrease the weight of the systems, then you can increase the useful payload of the plane. And so this is this every aircraft program I've worked on has a weight budget, and it's always over budget. And and so a, a win would be to track. You know, week on week, or month on month, or quarter on quarter, how are the the weight of critical components trending? How is the overall system performance trending? Uh, if there are some elements of of um, you know big long term goals, like hey, three years from now we're going to achieve some milestone. Uh, actually, measuring the the intermediate um, the intermediate kind of health measures of that project or of the underlying technology. Um, help you recognize and celebrate the wins and, and also recognize and address the, um, the, the losses or, or the, the, the challenges along the way in a, in a productive and oftentimes motivating way too. You've been strengthening your resiliency muscle for years, even going back to your college baseball days. Tell us about that. I was captain of the, the baseball team at Caltech, NCAA Division Three college baseball. Um, now, for anybody who's heard of Caltech, it's probably not because of the athletics, uh, or maybe it is because of the athletics, but not because we win. And and the what's amazing about about Caltech is the access that every student has to participating in these extracurricular activities. I think it's a an element of sanity. I think it's physical health. It's mental health. 
it's, it's also about teamwork and, and engaging in a productive collaborative environment where otherwise, you know, this, a stereotype of, of an Edison sitting alone in, in a lab uh, working independently may not seem like a whole lot of teamwork, but the reality is that the, to stretch those teamwork skills and muscles and ultimately have the opportunity to, to become a leader amongst others, um, those, are, those are just really important experiences. So um, as, uh, as, as captain of the baseball team, uh, one that was, was very challenged to, to have, uh, you know, the scoreboard rarely said that we won at the <laughs> end of the game. Um, how do you motivate a team to, to play? Like every, every Friday and Saturday and some Sundays when we have games, how do you get the team engaged, running onto the field, working hard, playing, playing hard every single day when, and we're very good at working with the data, when the data might show that we have a very low probability of, of, of winning in the traditional sense. And I think it's about that. It's about long-term progress. It's, for me, it was about how are we building an athletic program that attracts brilliant minds and people who are passionate about a sport? How do we you know, recruit for the next generation of, of players? And how do we take the people who are currently on the team and build in those intermediate milestones, those really meaningful personal metrics that um, that can you can call a, a win in the day, even if maybe the other team scored more runs. I think that those are uh, resiliency and motivation skills that uh, serve in the entrepreneur entrepreneurial realm as well. So was it a 20-year losing streak by the time oh, you got there? Oh, I don't know. I think it was around 20 years, oh, no. maybe 15, 20. Now, we did, we did oftentimes play an adult league team, um, and I think we would beat the 40, 40 and up uh, folks, but, uh, but it, was, it was challenging to, to compete, uh, uh, compete against the, uh, the other colleges. I'm sure. Yeah. Who do you look to for inspiration, whether it's business or life? I look for inspiration, I mean, ev everywhere. I, I will say, inspiration is all around us, anywhere you look. Uh, I, I Fundamentally, I think uh, finding people who are passionate about what they do, whether it's aligned with how you're spending your professional or personal life or not, if they're passionate and good about it, uh, it, it is, for me, inspiring. I mean, it could be a, a high school graduation speech of somebody talking about the robotics project or or seeing seeing a, a, a child with autism overcome the challenges and these these barriers in life I mean that is inspiring when you see somebody who's deeply passionate and and they're just doing doing their thing and I think that if everybody was so lucky to be able to do what they're passionate about every single day then the world would would really progress rapidly in in a positive direction and flourish yes it would we're here at Babcock Ranch today in southwest Florida for part of the Edison Awards being recognized with an Edison Award is one of the highest accolades a company can receive in the name of innovation and business success. The Edison Awards honor excellence in new product and service development, marketing, human-centered design, and innovation. I'm grateful to say that Ampere was recognized uh, with one of the Edison Awards. We'll find out tonight which one we've received, uh, but we will be recognized with an award. And the Edison Awards are looking at innovations across a broad set of industries, but really things that positively impact the world and, and those people and organizations that, that, that do so, that, that think um, 
that think about the world uh, as, as an opportunity space for improvement and, and bettering the, the, the lives and the environment uh, around us. And so uh, we were notified that our inventions of, of hybrid electric planes are getting recognized here and, um, and, and I'm super excited to, number one, to meet all these passionate innovators ar around me. It's just, it's humbling uh, to be in, in, in such um, an esteemed company and uh, just brilliant people who think of, 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 of opportunities that I just, I wouldn't have ever come across the idea had I not been able to, to attend uh, an event like this. Well, we'll be cheering for you tonight. Thank you, I appreciate it. Kevin Nortker, co-founder and CEO of Amp Air, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Okay, let's recap some of those lessons learned. Number one, Kevin's framework for selecting the right opportunities in life and career is meaningful, challenging, visible. Number two, gather inspiration by finding people who are really passionate about what they do. And number three, find the wins, especially for entrepreneurs. Celebrate your success along the way and define what winning looks like for you and your company each day. By the way, at the Edison Awards, Amp Air received the Gold Award for Aerospace Flight Technologies. Congratulations. This has been the InspireLink podcast, your connection to inspiring leadership.